0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Impact at Scale podcast. I'm sitting here with Alia Anabi, the founder of GreenPush, which is a very interesting company that looks to create communities that are involved in sustainability in corporations. Hi Alia, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Zah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me today.
0: Alia, why don't you start a little bit by telling us just what GreenPush is and the, the work that you're doing?
1: Sure. Great question to start with. <laughs> So Green Push is here to inspire, educate, and engage the next generation of sustainability champions. So we focus mainly on companies and we really help employees make a difference in their workspace today so they can create a better tomorrow. So the way we do that is that we start by planting a seed with some educational talks. And then we have other programs called the Sprout and the Tree program. So Aim here is to really help companies create their own green communities or squads or groups, but just to have the employees work together to build and build green actions and implement green actions in the office and drive sustainable change.
0: I love that. I love the idea of creating communities within businesses that can impact change within those organizations. So what inspired you to start this program?
1: many things actually so i have started communities myself so actually it started in 2020 when i moved to neighborhoods in singapore and so i created a, fo- a first neighborhood community to encourage my neighbors to stop wasting could be food or non-food items but instead to donate to other neighbors and then i could really see the change of behavior so today it's been more than 2 years that the group has been created And you can really see the group being very active and the behaviors have changed because people are giving even extra, I don't know, salad or tomatoes they have at home when actually they don't need to do it. But now they understand that they shouldn't waste anymore. And the other thing is that when you are within a community, you tend to also be influenced by what others are doing. So if what's interesting is that when you have someone new joining the community, I always ask them to read the group description I have only one rule is that there's no if they cannot sell items because I want to keep the sharing spirit going but actually they even they just read the re- the group description but they don't need me they just see how others are doing how others are donating and then they tend to do the same so it's just like now they don't need me as Alia telling them to, how to do it so this was at the beginning but now it's completely self sufficient they there's items being given almost on a daily basis, and today we have saved. There's more than three thousand five hundred items that have been either saved from landfill, borrowed, or shared with with others. So yeah, so I really I really like this. So then when I left Singapore, I went actually to Bali at the beginning of this year, and created sustainability because I also saw that was there was a lot of you know businesses doing amazing things and. Eco conscious brands, but then I couldn't really find any people who was, you know, thinking the same as me, who was into sustainability and who had changed, who were themselves on their own journey. So I just decided to create also a community. Now we are more than 90 people and same, it's about, you know, sharing events, articles, tips. Uh, So you can really see like a momentum when you put people together on a group. And, uh, and yeah, it can, uh, it can be very interesting tool to drive the change on the long run, because now I'm not in Bali anymore. I'm not in Singapore, but the communities are still ongoing, so they don't need me. And I think it's just having that start. So that push, that's where Green Push comes, is really to help companies put these people together, help build the community. And then, yeah, and then once you have created created the momentum, after a few weeks and months, they become self-sufficient.
0: So you have started effectively a very grassroots organization, and and what I envision to be real meaning behind the sharing economy. So what? Tell me, you you mentioned food. What are some of the other things that people are sharing on this platform? What are what are the what are some of the what are the more interesting and unique things that people have put on there that that are being shared?
1: Yeah, it can go from so many different things. At the beginning, it started more with non-food items because this is something that I was pushing to convince people to be on the group and, you know, it's okay if you have, I don't know, a chair that you want to donate or it can be basically anything that you think you shouldn't have anymore in your household. But people tend to just think of the beans. So what happened is that when I went to the beans of my condo, I discovered so much items that shouldn't have been actually in the beans. In the first place. So, like things, I don't know, like uh, carpets, really nice carpets, golf bags, yoga mats, microwaves. I mean, it was like crazy amounts of items that were like really treasures. So, you know, the saying, one man's trash is another person's treasure. So, it was exactly that. So, actually, when I created a group, I was, you know, definitely rescuing these items because they were in very good condition. Of course, I couldn't go to the bin area every day. So I had the people actually working in the bin area would keep things on the site for me. And and yeah, so what happened is that every day I would go and then take these items, put them on the group, and people would be really excited about you know having this and this. And what happened is that people started expressing some needs. So instead of thinking, oh, I need this, let's buy it, they would say, okay, maybe someone in the community has it, right? So then they would just express some things like, I don't know, oh, I would love to have a coffee table. And then magically, I don't know, maybe the karma was there. I would go to the bins and I find a perfectly in new condition IKEA coffee table. So at some point, people started calling me the genie because they would just express, express something and then magically would happen and happen to be there and now of course yeah I don't live there anymore so I don't go but people donate things from I don't know sofas to chairs to plants recently to food so here it has went into food also lamps I mean so many different kind of objects there's also more and more boring being done in the in the group so they borrow i don't know things that they need only for one time use so mostly you know like shells or things like that ladders mostly ladders or other objects actually and what has been done as well is that we have shared also a lot on a lot of topics so we would also discover that you know some people would actually making their own tempeh at home or their own kombucha okay let's just get together and then learn from that person so we did a lot of like workshops and gatherings where we just we would just share the skills. So I also animated some workshops on how to compose or the climate fresh or you know other people shared about, you know, how to make your own kombucha or tempeh. So we would just get together, have these sharing moments. And I think that helps also build community feeling, especially in a neighborhood where we all live next to each other.
0: How do you get these <laughs> communities started? What was the initial part to go? Because obviously, once you get to 200, you've reached a critical mass where there's people and there's enough conversation on the platform that people are engaged. But at the early stages, how did you get people to come onto the platform? Or And it's not even a platform, right? It's, you were telling me it's a WhatsApp group.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I definitely believe that to have a successful successful community, it should be in a place where people usually go. So if you take people, usually they would have a social chat on their phone. So whether it's WhatsApp, Telegram, I mean, you name it. If you take a company, they use other tools like Teams, for example. So I think it's having to use a platform that is not new to them, because otherwise they might log in once or twice, but then they won't go there anymore. But it's rather using a tool that is already ingrained in their everyday life. So for sports Spanish community in Singapore, what I did at the beginning was to just knock at my neighbor's doors, floor by floor, going, you know, me as Alia, I did actually a flyer. So I think the... The great thing behind community before having, as you said, the critical mass or building the momentum is to really market it. So I did a really nice flyer. I printed with a little text of why I was doing this with the logo, nice colors. So it was like, it's already set up, you know, even though the group at the beginning was only me, my boyfriend and my next door neighbor, still it was there. It was already created. And so it was was much easier for me to go knock on their door and be like, would you like to be part of that group? You know, Hey, I'm just, I just moved in. So basically it was me going and knocking. And then I got like this, I got around 20 people. But what happened is that there was also word of mouth that works super well today. So when there's a new person coming in, people just reach out to me, say, Alia, can you please add this person? And that's it. And I'm just adding it. The other thing is that the only admin for all of my communities. So It's just for me to have, uh, to know who is joining the group also and make sure that they are within that area or, you know, just to to keep a little bit selective also. And so people, when they join in, they're really happy to join, you know. Oh, thank you so much for adding me. It's not just like it has not come to them, but it's more they want to join because they heard from someone they heard it from someone else so once they join they're so happy to join that you know actually they're they know it's it's precious what they have and also at the beginning i i joined also another whatsapp group that we had in the Neighborhood that was that was more general group, and I also posted the link to the group there because I knew it was all neighbors. Saying that you know I had created this group to increase sharing amongst neighbors, and this is why I had created it. So I think the last thing when you create a community is that people need to know why they're joining. What's the purpose behind? Like, what is this group you know aligned with my values? Do they find it cool? Do they find it interesting? Are they curious? And then at the beginning, I was like, oh, why did this person leave the group? Like, I wouldn't understand. After a while, I understood that, yeah, of course, people either leave the neighborhood, so they're not, they no longer want to be part of it, and that's okay. But also, sometimes it's not also for everyone. I and mean, if they join and maybe they're not that interested in picking up other items or donating, and it's fine as well. But I think it's giving that space to people. But most importantly, they need to understand why does this group exist in the first place?
0: I'll move on now to your latest venture, Green Push. What is the goal of of that company? What are you guys hoping to achieve with that?
1: Very good question. So we definitely want to help companies build their own green communities because I really, really believe in the power of the snowball effect. So actually, I didn't think about it. Just like that. What happened is that when I created Green Push at the big, I mean, it was like a few months ago in April, I just wanted to continue what I was doing on the side, which was give educational talks and bring awareness, keep on spreading my knowledge. And of course, I don't have all the knowledge in the world, but I have always taken that positive approach to sustainability because, of course, the, the issue climate change is such a big topic people can often feel powerless, right? So my approach has always been to empower people and show them that as individuals, they have so much influence, they can do really a lot and they can, you know, you, you as one person can influence your own circles. And if you plant the seed in one's people's head, then this person can also influence her own circle, right? So it's you have that kind of ripple effect and I really, really strongly believe in that. And that's why I I believe in the power of communities, right? So at the end of the day, with Green Push, I keep on doing what I was doing, which is bring awareness. But then I started having this urge in me. Like I felt like my mission was definitely not complete because I, I wouldn't see what what were people doing after the talks, you know. Because you give a talk, you kind of bringing the knowledge, you engage them, ask questions, make them think. Because definitely I'm not here to convince, I'm here to make people think, think about their own choices, individual actions and really plant that seed coming from different angles. Because I really think that we all come come from a different angle when it comes to sustainability. So if you, like, there's an example I like to give. If you go to the supermarket and you see some veggies, you know, almost going to waste, then you might, you know, you might buy them because you're against food waste. And you know that there's a lot, of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people. Being hungry every day, and you don't want to participate in that. But me, as Alia, I see them wrapped in plastic, so I might not buy them because I'm concerned about plastic pollution. So, at the end of the day, there's no one solution fits all, but it's about understanding why we want to do better because we all have an impact on a daily basis because we all eat food every day, we drink water, we wear clothes, we take transportation, we are online almost all the time with our jobs. So, we have a let's say, a footprint on so many areas of our our lives, but it's having, you know, better actions. So that's, for me, something that's really important, the education part. But then I wanted to go further by helping people who want to do more actually do more. Because what I noticed is doing quite a lot of interviews in the past weeks with companies and people who were either part of green teams or not or were sustainability managers there's definitely one challenge that is how to change the mindsets of people. How do you can you really, really drive behavior change within a company? Because, oh, we have put the most amazing recycling bins, but people put but don't put the right things in the right place. So then the recycling rate is obviously low. So yes, it comes from education. You need to educate, but you also need to kind of nudge them. You need to influence them. And there are some techniques for that. We are everyday influenced by these marketing techniques influential techniques actually by, you know, brands pushing us to buy more and more and consume more, but we can also use these techniques to do better. So that's why I have, you know, thought of, okay, let's try to have this uh, long-term change by building the communities within companies and take the people who want to go further and create a first group, that first momentum. It can be two, three, four people. But they are the ones who will be, the, you know, the driver of change because they they will have the space and opportunity to do more and bring more. Yeah. You said something so interesting
0: I- there, where you said you're not here to change people. If I heard what your business does, I would think that changing people's minds would be the primary goal of the business, mainly because those who already know that climate change is a problem already believe in sustainability. They don't need to be convinced. It is the people that are skeptical, that may not care, that think that this is going to happen anyway. Maybe they are the ones that need to be convinced. So I'm just interested as to understand why you don't think you're going to be changing people's minds.
1: Yeah, thank you for the question. So. I don't know how I said it, but what actually the the main thing for me is as Alia uh, or as Greenpush, I'm not here to convince. I'm not here to say, you should do this now. I'm here to make person think about her own choices, her own actions. What is this person doing on a daily basis? So to give you an example, instead of saying to someone, oh, you shouldn't eat meat. It's not good. It's not good for you. Or it's not good for the planet. Uh, you, did you know it destroys the soils? It destroys... Blah, blah. Okay, this we know. But if the person doesn't really care about <laughs> climate change or is not really interested, she will be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, not really interested in what you're saying. But if you say something like, did you ever ask yourself why the chicken rice is $4? Why is it so cheap? And we say, oh, I don't know. Or have you thought of why the price is so low? Maybe the chicken was actually, you know, has not ever seen the sun in, uh, in in its life, or maybe it's also filled with hormones that is also bad for your health. Oh, really, it's bad for my health. Oh, I care about my health. I didn't know that, you know. And actually, that's quite an interesting example because that's how it started for me. So today I'm vegetarian, but it didn't come like that. Oh, I, because I want to do my part for the planet, and and I want to become vegetarian because, you know, I want to lower my carbon footprint, for example. It didn't come from that. It came from someone who told me once, did you know that chickens, they are, they are feeded with hormones. And I was shocked because my whole life, my mom has always said to me that she didn't want to give me antibiotics. She didn't want to give me any kind of medicine because... It was not good for my health. So when I heard that chicken were actually fed with antibiotics and hormones, and then I would eat the chicken, so it would come in my body, it made me stop from one day to another because I cared about my health. Not about the animals, not about the planet. So that's why I was saying at the beginning that we all come from a different angle. What, But it's about finding and helping people find something to care about. Whether it's biodiversity, the plastic pollution, animals, There's, I don't know, there's so many, so many different things we can care about as individuals, but once you have found that and you kind of grow on that journey, at the end of the day, yes, you will see that everything is interconnected, but it has, you have to have that starting point. So that's why I'm saying I'm not here to convince, I'm not here saying to people, you shouldn't eat meat, this is what you shouldn't do, you shouldn't do this and this and this. I'm more here to ask the right questions to make people open their eyes and until they find a topic that is really like, that really speaks to them. Because I don't know, we are all different. Uh, some people, because there are parents that might th- think about their children's health or other people they might think about, you know, they love animals. So they will be more, you know, shocked to hear something about, I don't know, for example, if you take the fashion industry and then they will be opened They will open their eyes, they will have an awakening moment, and then they will be more inclined to change. So I think it's more to bring people from different angles uh, to make them care and take action.
0: It's so interesting you brought up chicken because uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke to the CEO of Tyndall Foods, where they're making a plant-based chicken. And he was telling me serious detail about what goes on with these chickens, you know. And he was saying how the way that we grow animals right now is so not natural that there's so much antibiotics, so many hormones that are pumped into it, into their feed. He actually gave me a very different angle, which is that chickens are 70% water. And in, you know, 50 years, probably sooner, water is going to be such a precious resource that can we be affording to waste it in this inefficient process to get food? And that's where these plant-based replacements are really going to come in because they're going to require much less water. So that is an interesting connection there. The other thing, so I know you've been you haven't been doing this a long time. Uh, you said you started in April. What has been the response from businesses when you when you talk to them and you want to approach them about starting a community in their organization?
1: Yeah, actually the response has been really really positive because I I really took the time to understand the challenges behind. So what happened is that I understood that, you know, companies, they often set goals by, you know, 2030, we want to do this, we want to be carbon neutral. So they have their own teams, CSR teams, for example, working on this, more on the company level. But often there's that gap within employees, you know, because they, they, some, in some sustainability strategies, employees and communities are one of the key pillars. So of course, each company has different strategies and approach to the topic. And it's great because they there's a momentum, they want to do something, but they often don't really know, okay, how to motivate them. You know, Alia, we are a sustainability manager, we are a small team, but how can we drive the change across that many number of people? So that's why I believe that my approach and And helping this company build their own internal communities can really work because I have seen other companies doing that, and I've seen it work. But you also need—you don't need the first group only. You need to have a group that is willing to take small actions because, for me, at the end of the day, small action plus more action, plus more action, equals biggest change, bigger changes. And yeah, I read an article recently on the Lloyd Insights saying there's a study confirming that. Other, I mean, also from the learning that I saw online and the people that I talked to, it's a very interesting time to be doing this because actually there's a need for companies to to drive and change the behaviors of their own employees.
0: So what is, what's something interesting that you've learned from the community building that you've done?
1: Yeah, what I shared at the beginning, people are influenced by what other people are doing. That's definitely why I believe in that snowball effect. And the fact that, you know, once you have that group of people, you can have that collective intelligence as well. So Community can also start with two people only. So what's interesting to mention is that in my previous work and the company I was working in Singapore, I was a sustainability champion with a dear ex-colleague of mine, who's a very good friend today. And we, because we were two, we were not afraid to do things, to propose ideas, to try to implement some actions also in the office. But we also knew that in order to influence other people and employees. We we had to, yes, educate them. So we did some talks within the company, but we had to try to nudge them also, like to influence them. So we knew some techniques. So for example, when we implemented a compost, we didn't start with something fancy and big. We started with a really, really tiny container next to the coffee machine. It was very easy, very obvious that it was there. And we explained to people that it was easier to throw the coffee grounds there than going to the regular bin because it was closer to the coffee machine. So we made the more sustainable choice and option so obvious and so easy that it was the default option for them almost, you know? So then we would see more and more people contributing to that small container of compost, adding more and more things until we even put a flyer to explain what they could put and what they couldn't put there. Do these people cared about if the coffee grounds would be incinerated or actually composted? I don't think so. But they got influenced into contributing to that action because it was really easy and it was a first step, you know. So if you multiply this by the number of employees, the number of days, you can think about also the big change that it comes at the end after even a few weeks or months.
0: That's that's fantastic, Alia. Thank you so much for your time. I really have enjoyed speaking to you and, and understanding a little bit more about how you build communities.
1: Thank you, Zal. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye.